0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America,
1: it's Tony Katz today. It is tragic because we could have avoided this, but unfortunately the Fed did not act early enough. So instead of just tapping the brakes, it is slamming on the brakes, which means that this is not just about higher borrowing costs. This is about a high risk of a recession. This is about 401K's um, valuations being destroyed. So there's a lot of what Chair Powell pain, what I would call significant damage to Americans because the Fed has been so late. That is a most unique assessment
0: of the economic calamities that are forthcoming. And man, the amount of people who have been starting to talk like, Oh, it's going to be worse than you think. So you have uh, the CEO of FedEx. That's Mohamed Al aryan uh, president of Queens College at Cambridge University. Car- didn't Carl Icahn uh, just make the statement that, oh, you haven't seen anything yet? It's going to be bad. There it is. There it is. I read that in Barron's. The worst is yet to come. He was uh, speaking at the Best New Ideas in Money Festival via remote feed. He uh, delivered the assessment of the economy, and it was like, oh, this is terrible. I think a lot of things are cheap. They're going to get cheaper. Inflation is a terrible thing, and you can't cure it. We printed up too much money and just thought the party would never end, and the party's over. And then, of course, added, the worst is yet to come. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. God, I don't know, I, I sometimes I forget if I say hello. What's going on? 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. As I said, busy, busy day, but I gotta, I gotta kinda stop where we're at just, just for a moment so I could share with all of you a rumor. rumor has- That's enough of that. So the rumor mill goes as follows. This is Megan Kelly from her show talking to the guys from the Ruthless Podcast. Josh Holmes, comfortably smug, crushing it. Bless him. Go go do what you do, guys. And this is her telling them what she has heard. About Donald Trump, oh, I kept playing it. See, I just can't get enough of that song. Uh, telling them what she has heard about Trump running for president. Now, the, I, I don't know Megan. I've never met Megan. I've been on never been on TV with, with Megan. You want to talk about somebody who has had um, the full comeback? It's it's Megan Kelly. Very impressive from leaving Fox in the disaster disaster of that NBC show where also she got a bit screwed with. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that she's wrong. I think she's offering up something very fascinating as an idea about Trump running for president again, but I'm not telling you that this is fact. I have no way of knowing this is fact. I'm not 100% sure if I even believe it yet. Literally just heard it a moment ago. listen. Now, let me run this by you. Talk
2: to a guy who used to be high up in the RNC, right? And he said, Trump's not going to run again. Trump just can't say that he's not going to run again. Um, And he said he would never declare anyway, because as soon as he declares, like, right, if he were to declare tomorrow uh, on on the chance that he is going to run again, um, the RNC could no longer pay his legal bills. They couldn't support him with his legal bills because the RNC has to stay neutral so they can't be funding one guy's legal bills. So that, that I thought that was kind of interesting that like Trump will have to delay if he's going to announce that he's running as long as humanly possible because he's got a lot of legal bills. But th- but it was this guy's strong belief that he will not run again, that he's too worried about losing.
0: That is awesome. That is a take. This is only the second time I've heard. It. I heard it early. I'm like, all right, I got to share it with you. Oh, let us sit down with a bourbon on the bar stool and knock that one around for a moment, shall we? Because I'm, I'm buying. Uh, where is Matt Hiblin? Get Matt Hiblin in the studio, our executive producer, because that's the kind of conspiracy theory he would think about. That That is everywhere Matt would be. Oh, that is... First of all, I did not know that the RNC is uh, paying some of his legal bills, and according to some, uh, it's like one—it's of, it's for, for some PACs are helping out. It's like one of their top lines in terms of total costs. I, I didn't—I didn't know that. That's not something I usually uh, pay attention to, but but now I want to start paying attention. He can't afford to run, because. Oh, that's. That is something, and we should be clear. We're not. We're not knocking the man. We're not. We're, this, this is not an affront conversation, but just as the observer, right? We're sitting and we're observing. The man does have a fair amount of legal bills. Would it be economically that disadvantageous, to run? Or is it, as Megyn Kelly is discussing, he's going to delay, as much as humanly possible, the concept of running? Oh, that is so good. That is so good because I love any—I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I think you guys know that. I don't have a conspiratorial, conspiratorial bone in my body. But anything that makes you like you immediately want to have a reaction and then you're thinking about it in in, you know, you, you think about it for half a second. and Then you're like, huh? Hmm. Well, what if? Like that's that's where I took this. Mike on Twitter said he can't afford to run because of legal bills. Really find that highly unlikely. Why? Why do you find that highly unlikely? Why do you find it highly unlikely that he he would could say that it would cost him too much that it would affect him financially and he's a guy who makes financial decisions well tony uh he he didn't take a salary please it's four hundred thousand dollars a year it's real money to you me and we it isn't real money to him so so let's let's be perfectly uh, you know clear clear about that. I'm sorry. It was enough to give me pause. I and I started with, I have no idea if it's true. I just thought it was such a an interesting thought. Would he not run because it would affect his ability to financially deal with the other challenges in front of him? Especially if he's getting help to the other challenges in front of him, no, no, Mike says he he finds it unlikely because it would mean that he's broke, oh no no, 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 no no, 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 I don't think that's true at all. I think that he wouldn't want to spend his own money on it. I think that's possible. look, the whole thing could be totally bunk, but it was it was fascinating enough to make me say, hmm now we should uh, take this and put it in line with another conversation, which is whether or not America, well, let's call it the political right, would be okay with him running. I wanna make sure I'm clear about something. I believe that if, if Donald Trump was the nominee, the political right in the main gets behind him. And I believe independents do as well. I believe that the political right sees other options that can create equal value. Actually, I take that back, greater value because they wouldn't come with the baggage, which is why you see articles right now from, for example, the New York Times that talk about, you know, DeSantis, DeSantis, he wants to be like Trump, but he doesn't have the, the uh, he's not eccentric like Trump, he doesn't have the soft edges that Trump has. The New York Times wrote that Trump has soft edges. I okay. Seriously. That's what this writer has to be saying. He has soft edges? This is this is This is madness. It's madness that the New York Times could get away with writing something like that. Like, we don't understand that this is purposeful to trying to attack and diminish Ron DeSantis. That's the whole purpose. They're so desperate to diminish DeSantis that they'll prop up Trump. Remember, Mitt Romney had binders full of women, and then Mitt Romney is a real Republican that you can respect. John McCain, he wants to murder this one, murder that one, bomb, 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 bomb bomb Iran, and then John McCain was a real Republican. George Bush is the dumbest man alive, and George Bush lied about Iraq, George Bush was a Good Republican. Look at how he gets along with Michelle Obama. Isn't he just terrific? How many more times do we have to live through this one? We've seen this movie. We also thought this movie sucked. Oh, that that film? That film where they destroy a Republican and then later when they can't do anything, they're like, oh, they were great? What do we think of that movie? It stinks. So... I'm sorry. I've, I found that interesting from from Megyn Kelly and the Ruthless Guys. the 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 money will keep him from running. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was interesting enough to talk about. But I think the I think the bigger story is is that where where would the political right rather be? Where would the country rather be? And I do believe the country would rather be without him. And when you have DeSantis, Abbott, Ducey. Uh, you have uh, Mike Pompeo. You do have Nikki Haley. Oh, say what you want. Nikki Haley is in the mix. Christy Nome is in the in the mix. Um, you have options. Real options on the political right that come with different baggage, just not Trump baggage, as opposed to the political left, whose options are literally eighty years old. Bernie, Hillary, and Elizabeth Warren. Oh, oh, you can include Stacey Abrams. You can't include Stacey Abrams because uh things are looking bad in her second gubernatorial uh race in Georgia. Oh, and if you haven't heard what Stacey Abrams has to say, I'll get to it. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. We might very well be close enough to midterms to start taking a look at some polling. Just see where things are at. In Arizona, you have Mark Kelly, the Democrat incumbent, barely ahead of the Trump-backed Blake Masters. Real clear politics average, having Kelly up 3.3, but within the margin of error. You have that Colorado Senate race where you've got uh, the incumbent Michael Bennett, the Democrat, with a substantial lead on uh, the Republican by uh, about nine points. And in Florida, Marco Rubio holds his lead over Val Demings. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. That Georgia Senate race. They've got, uh, on the real clear politics average, Warnock up by nothing. That's dead heat right there. The two latest polls had margins of error of four. But they had both 992 likely voters and 1,178 likely voters in the sample. But that margin of error too high. And both of them had Warnock, the Democrat uh, senator, uh, ahead by two points. That's not enough. That's not enough. Georgia could go uh, Kemp and Walker. If they're uh, if the idea that Georgia is interested in that close of a split ticket, that would be interesting uh, to say uh, the least. In Missouri, uh, Republican Eric Schmidt leads by double digits. That Nevada race where you've got the incumbent, Catherine Cortez Masto, Democrat, It's got the Republican up by one. The latest poll had a margin of error of three, a thousand likely voters. It was from the Hill. And it had the Republican plus one in that poll. No doubt they're tight, man. No doubt these races are super, super tight. The North Carolina race, you've got the Democrat uh, Sherry Beasley against the Republican Ted Budd. And it's got butt up by two. And the last couple of polls, bud has been up by three with uh, polling that has a margin of error of three. So again, all tight. But fascinating that outside of Colorado that I just shared with you, the advantage seems to play the Republican way, meaning that if you were going to say in the months of June, July, and August, oh, look at all the good news for Joe Biden, look at how things are trending, oh, it's going to be a, a ripple, the polling doesn't play to this. And we've discussed this in a couple different ways. It's why I want to go over some numbers with you. If I look to the Ohio race, where Tim Ryan, the Congressman, has some good the Democrat, has some good uh, name ID, Vance. J.D. Vance is still up by two. If Biden was doing so strong, if Democrats are doing so strong, that should at least play to some level of Democrat advantage. Even Wisconsin, where you had a socialist by the name of Mandela Barnes, a socialist Democrat, Democratic Socialist, whatever they call themselves, it's just nonsense, who was in the lead a month ago A month ago, he was in the lead. Barnes plus two, Barnes plus seven, Barnes plus four, Barnes plus two. And the last couple of polls have been about the incumbent Republican, Ron Johnson, who right now leads that polling uh, by a half. Add this and tie this into something that the head of the chief pollster, Trafalgar, was discussing. That there are so many Trump voters who refuse to say anything about politics to anyone, and I would argue possibly not even to loved ones. He referred to them as submerged Trump voters because we saw in 2016 the, the shy Trump voters. People who wanted to vote for him but didn't want to say too much about it, and they wanted to give it a shot, and they did it. And beat polling, and then when you take a look at 2020, Trump may have lost the election, but the levels to which he beat expectations in so many places shows how off the polling was. This uh, Trafalgar po- pollster is making the point that the is making the point that the pollsters can't figure out where the people are. They are so not coming out, so not speaking out, so not sharing that there's no way to measure. So, all these polls are going to be massively off because of these, what he refers to as submerged Trump supporters. Well, right now, all I'm doing is going through the numbers and putting that to the test. All I'm doing is putting that to the test. When the latest poll in Pennsylvania shows Fetterman, the guy who had the stroke, up by two, in the real clear politics average, he's up by four. But when it shows him up by two within a poll that has a margin of error of three, and you see how things have been changing in Pennsylvania, shouldn't he be up by seven? Right now, Pennsylvania and Colorado are the only places that seem to show, I should take that back, Wisconsin, when you're going up against the incumbent Patty Murray. In the places where you're, you're, you're dealing with closer races, Colorado and, and Pennsylvania, each, Pennsylvania no incumbent, Colorado has an incumbent. You're not showing overall this massive move to the left. It's worth noticing. I have so much audio today. Like, I, 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 this wasn't the plan. I just have so many criminally insane things that have been said over the last 24 hours. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. I've got not enough time to do them in the levels to which I want to, but I've got too much time that if I spend too much time on them, I'll go crazy. So I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire this mother. If that's all right with you, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on everybody? Find everything at tonycats.locals.com tonykatz.locals.com. I don't know, I don't know, To spin the wheel, figure out where to start. I will start with Corinne Jean-Pierre. Re- remember, she's the White House Press Secretary, you remember that, but remember the adage, it's extremely true, in politics, if you're explaining, you're losing, and to listen to Corinne Jean Pierre, more than a no, 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 no. Uh, the 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 CBS story came out last past weekend. His interview on sixty Minutes. So we're we're four days past it. We're four days past it, and she is still explaining what it is that President Biden, her boss, said uh, 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 regarding COVID. She she can't she can't stop. She cannot stop talking about it. She cannot stop explaining it. It cannot be said enough when you're explaining you're losing.
1: And Corinne Jean-Pierre is losing. Also in the 60 Minutes interview said that the pandemic is over. There's been quite a bit of pushback to that uh, statement by the president. Where is he today on that?
2: So... uh Just to step back for a second, what we saw during that interview, uh, 60 minute interview, when he made those comments, he was walking through uh, the the Detroit uh, car show, the halls of the Detroit car show, and he was looking around. We have to remember the last time that they had held that
0: event was three years ago. What are you talking about? you mean he walks through a place and he's so transfixed by the place that he has to only talk about that and doesn't have any other scope are we, are we talking about he's got object permanence or or lack thereof what what is he's a child which yes this is not a defense this is ridiculous
2: even as we're talking about unga the president's going to speak shortly as i just mentioned we that hasn't been held in, in person for about three years as well so we are in a different time he's been very consistent about that and the reason why is because we are now prepared we are now ready we know how to deal with uh, this pandemic it is now m- more manageable it's not as disruptive as it's been uh, in the prior in the prior years and so and it is because of what this president has has done on day 1. If you think about where we were when he walked in, 3000 people were dying a day. That has come down 90%. You think about schools were closed. Now schools are open. Think about businesses were closed. Now businesses are open and it's because of the work that this administration has done. Now what he has been very consistent about is that we have to continue to have a front foot on this so we have the funding so that we are ahead of this of any other, you know, as we look at future vaccines and future treatments, we need to make sure that we are ready for that as we're also leading, as we're talking uh, the backdrop of UNGA, uh, as we're leading globally as well.
0: What he said was the pandemic is over.
1: Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's
0: wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. He said the words. He said the words you're still walking it back by saying, well, look, the shiny cars were like super neato. And as you know, the president loves uh, a nice shiny car. I mean, he was just seconds away from thinking, ooh, maybe they have ice cream. <laughs> this is nonsense. This is unseriousness from an unserious group of people. Remarkable, to be honest, remarkable to watch witness. And that was only one piece. That was only like 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 part one of the man, we have got criminally insane audio today. Then oh man, the twofer on Rashida Talib. Now I have admittedly referred to her as an anti-Semite. I have said those words, but what I usually say is that uh, she doesn't believe Israel should exist. Her bigotry is that she doesn't believe in Israel's existence. When she got to office, she took a post-it note, wrote Palestine on it, and put it over Israel on on, on the map that, that was in her office. She has spoken out repeatedly referring to Israel as an apartheid state. Now, Maybe you can argue that that's not anti-Semitism. She's just anti-Israel. If you want to go down that road, I am fine going down that road. It is not what I believe. I believe she's an anti-Semite. But I will take her words and describe her as anti-Israel, and then we can talk about what really is the difference. Well, Tony, she's talking about policy. You called Israel an apartheid state. You believe it shouldn't exist, and then... You come out at an event supporting Palestinian causes and you say this.
2: I want you all to know that among progressives it has become clear that you cannot claim to hold progressive values, yet back Israel's apartheid government. And we will continue to push back and not accept this idea that you are progressive, progressive except for Palestine any longer.
0: So, Rashida Talib is saying, "You can't support Israel and call yourself a progressive. Shall we listen again?
2: I want you all to know that among progressives, it has become clear that you cannot claim to hold progressive values yet back Israel's apartheid government. And we will continue to push back and not accept this idea that you are progressive progressive except for full esteem any longer.
0: You cannot be a progressive and support Israel. That's her position. Now, she is getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pushback. And to that, I am very, very happy. And it's coming from the most interesting of places. She's getting a a pushback. From uh, Representative Jerry Nadler, I fundamentally a Democrat. I fundamentally reject the notion that one cannot support Israel's right to exist as a Jewish and democratic state and be progressive. Ted Deutsch of Florida, saying I agree, uh, Chairman Nadler. And remember there are progressive activists, progressive students, and progressive members of Congress who support of, whose support of democratic Israel is fundamentally a part of their progressive values. Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, this outrageous progressive litmus test on Israel by Rashida Tlaib is nothing short of anti-Semitic. Okay, well, if if Debbie Wasserman Schultz is going to call her an anti-Semite, I guess we've just ripped the Band-Aid off and we're all in on this mother now, ain't we? Representative Virgie Torres of New York, there's nothing progressive about advocating for the end of Israel as a Jewish state. Nothing progressive about opposing the Abraham Accords, which promotes peace. Nothing progressive about opposing Iron Dome, which protects civilians from indiscriminate rocket fire. It is so nice when other people make my argument for me. It's so nice when other people see what it is we all see, the desperation to say, well, she's really talking about Israeli policy. No, she's not. She's talking about the existence of Israel. Apartheid state? Such nonsense garbage. It's a lie, and I'm calling Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib a liar. And her supporters need to rethink their mathematics. Unless, of course, they're down for this. And those people include Congressman Andre Carson. Congressman Andre Carson, who attended this event, the congressman from Indiana attended this event, the Champion of Palestinian Rights Awards, they all had uh, their, their say on this.
1: Hello, this is Congressman Andre Carson. It is great to be with you today. I want to thank Americans for Justice in Palestine action for their amazing work fighting for the rights of Palestinians. I also want to take a moment to remember Shireen Abu Akleh, who should be with us. You know, it's very important for the U.S. government to conduct our own investigation to hold Israel accountable for this unforgettable killing of an American journalist. Every human killed, American or not, deserves justice, Palestinians included. I'm proud to lead the Justice for Shireen Act, and I encourage everyone here today to contact their member of Congress and urge them to join as an original co-sponsor. I stand with the Palestinian people against military occupation, blockades, illegal settlements, and racial discrimination. Thanks for being here today. Keep up the good fight. I want to thank AJP, Sister Aya, and the team for organizing this wonderful advocacy day.
0: The journalist in question was shot and killed in gunfire between Israeli Defense Forces and Palestinians. Uh, really, we should say uh, H- Hamas terrorists, which Congressman Andre Carson doesn't seem to know how to decry. And she was killed in that gunfire. The Israeli defense forces have said after investigation, look, we're not 100% sure. Wh- who did what? But we think it's absolutely possible that she was shot by IDF fire. The Israeli defense forces saying, yeah, it could have been us. Something you will never hear from Mahmoud Abbas. Something you will never hear from Hamas. So, so Israel has to be hold, held to account. I believe they are holding themselves to account. But how many murders are this Hamas responsible for? Where is Andre Carson to say held to account? Illegal settlements? It's Israeli land. There are no illegal settlements. I laugh out loud at the suggestion. It's there. Land, racial discrimination, what are you talking about? You're talking about a democracy in the Middle East. Go elsewhere. What kind of discrimination do you think you're going to get? How about the discrimination from the woman you call your sister, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who doesn't believe Israel should exist? What about the racial discrimination of the people who chant from the river to the sea, uh, 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 Palestine will be free, which is the call to genocide of Jews? I have argued from the beginning, from hour one of my being in Indianapolis, being in Indiana, that Congressman Andre Carson makes terrible decisions terrible decisions has terrible relationships terrible friendships Rashida Talib and Louis Farrakhan uh, do we argue that you are a, uh, you know we think of you as by the company you keep you make bad decisions congressman yet the worst decisions come from the Jewish community of central Indiana that has embraced him and invites him to the synagogue and champions him because they've given up, it seems, uh, their Judaism for their progressivism. Something that I wholeheartedly oppose. Absolute madness. But the biggest one of the day it might not even be that. It might very well be Stacey Abrams who is running for governor of Georgia and is losing again. Remember, she lost the first time, even though she wouldn't admit to it. She lost the first time. She's down in this election. And at an event, I'm not sure what the event was. She's on a panel. There are seven people on the panel. She's sitting in the middle. On on, on a stage, it could have been like a high school auditorium for all I know. Fine, you're, you're campaigning. You go where you go and they're talking about fetal heartbeats. Now, I'm telling you, if you haven't heard it, hold on to your hat. I, uh, if, if you're driving, hands on 10 and two. This is Stacey Abrams talking about fetal heartbeats. There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a
2: manufactured sound designed to convince
0: she just said that uh, there is no such thing as a fetal heartbeat at six weeks. Now, if you were to do some investigation, you will have people talk about there's a flutter that takes place where the heart will will be. And her argument is no such thing as a fetal heartbeat. Nope, nope, nope. Manufactured sound so men can control women as if women aren't opposed to abortion, Oh, please, Stacey Abrams, run with this conversation right to Election Day. Honestly, every Democrat should, because that's such a winner for Republicans. Are you nuts? It's not a heartbeat. It's a flutter. And therefore, it's manufactured. It's not real. It doesn't count. And then you're going to say it's so men can control women? Ah, uh, You... You run with that, just run all the way to election day with that. I'm begging you. That one, that one. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Rashida Talib stuff infuriates me, disgusts me. Oh, oh, despicable. But this, this is just criminally insane. You want to argue with the American people? It's not a heartbeat. It's a flutter, man. More pow, more power to you, sister. Go. Go get them. Any man, any woman, any member of Congress, any member of the Senate, any elected official who wants to go about saying, oh my gosh, there's no fetal heartbeat at six weeks. It's just a flutter. It's manufactured. It's a manufactured sound. It doesn't even exist in nature. It's because men want to control women. Run with that. Run with that. Holy cow. I'll leave it to you to decide which of those three pieces of audio is more criminally insane. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I know I'm not going to get to it today, but if you caught the morning show, you know that I was talking about it. It It's on my mind. What's going on in Tennessee with this Vanderbilt Vanderbilt, uh, uh, Medical Center and clearly engaging in uh, mutilation of children under the guise of transgenderism and, and gender-affirming care. This is not gender-affirming care. This is abuse. This is abuse if you're engaged in surgeries, top surgeries and bottom surgeries. That's how they refer to it. We're talking about mastectomies on, on perfectly healthy children. Vaginoplasties. You're talking about changing someone's life in a way that that, that cannot be solved, cannot be fixed. If they change their minds, these are children. You have to account for this. You can't let children decide their gender. This is madness. And yet it's happening more and more. And there are these universities and these these hospitals are embracing it because they can make a lot of money and then telling doctors, if you don't do this, there'll be consequences. You don't get to have a, a conscientious objection. Oh, America should have a conscientious objection. America should stand up and say, oh, hell no. And I'll be talking more about this in the days and weeks ahead. Keep it here, guys. I've got more. This is Tony Katz today.